0: Guys, thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I also want to thank the following sponsors for their support of this podcast. Without them, it, this podcast would not be possible. I want to thank the Go Hunt Insider, uh, Lorenzo Sartini and his crew over at Go Hunt. They have created the Insider, which is an amazing tool for you guys that are. Researching all these different western states and looking for which units to apply for and put in for. Uh, They also have the Go Hunt Maps, the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Uh, Right now, go to gohunt.com, click sign up for the insider. Uh, use the J Scott promo code. You're going to get a fifty dollar Go Hunt Gear Shop gift card just for signing up. Go Hunt's been with me since the beginning of 2015. At, when I started this podcast, they've been a very loyal title sponsor of this podcast. I want to thank them for their support. Make sure to go and sign up for the Go Hunt Insider. Use the J Scott promo code, guys. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's KUIU.com. KU Ultralight Hunting is a direct to consumer uh, brand that sells the best ultralight hunting equipment and gear on the market today. Uh, you can go to KUIU.com, KUIU.com, and order directly there on their website. I also want to thank Phonescope.com, Cheston, the guys over at Phonescope. Go to Phonescope.com. Anything you order there, use the J. Scott 23 promo code and you're going to get a 10% discount there at Phonescope. I also want to thank Lathrop & Sons, their custom boot system and custom footbed manufacturer. Uh, these guys are the boot doctors, the boot gurus. Um, they're very, very helpful. They know a lot about boots. Uh, I have switched this season to the Lathrop & Sons Encompass Boot. Uh, that's what I've worn primarily on my coos deer and mule deer hunts in Mexico. And then I use the Mountain Hunter uh, for my sheep hunts, uh, specifically desert sheep uh, in any of that uh more technical terrain. Uh, Lathrop & Sons has a phenomenal 3D mapping imprints and, and tracing kit. Uh, they make custom orthotics, uh, just really, really comfortable, uh, very user-friendly boots and custom insoles. Uh, go to lathropandsons.com to find out more information. You can also check out Lathrop & Sons on Instagram. They have three custom boot options, the Mountain Hunter, the Mountain Hunter Elite, and the Mountain Hunter Encompass, as well as the High Country Synergy Footbeds Custom. Uh, They also make all of these custom footbeds in wide and super wide, as well as the boots, which is rare for a boot manufacturer. Reach out to the owners, Stephen and James at Lathrop & Sons at 618 544 8782 That's Lathropandsons.com. Guys, I want to thank you for supporting this podcast. Love to hear your feedback. Uh, Any questions you might have, you can reach out at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. That's my email address. You can follow along on Instagram. At jscottoutdoors. Scott Outdoors, always feel free to send me a direct message. Love hearing from you guys, and let's get right to these episodes. <laughs> I can see you already just in a great, finely tuned mood for this podcast.
1: Are you fat and happy, or are you skinny and run down?
0: I, you would not believe me. I, um,
1: I, I heard you were on some keto diet.
0: Yeah, so on December 5th, I started eating, so my regimen is three to five eggs in the morning and bacon, but it's no nitrate. It's uh, beef bacon, pork bacon, both, but no nitrates, you know, none of the bad stuff. I eat that in the morning. Then I eat about a half a ribeye steak for lunch and a half a ribeye steak for dinner. Every once in a while, I'll throw in an avocado, and that was for the first 30 days. I literally did not eat anything else. Then, the next 30 days, I started adding in a little bit of fruit. So, I'll have a banana every morning, maybe every other morning, with the eggs and with the bacon. Um, I'll try and add, you know, an avocado for lunch or for dinner every other day. And then I started adding in a little bit of pineapple, uh, grapes, uh, a few like blackberries and that kind of thing. And I literally, I didn't weigh when I started, but I always weigh about 189, 190 pounds. I'm 6'3". And the weight just fell off me. So I didn't eat any breads, any tortilla chips. Little did I know I lived on Pop-Tarts and tortilla chips. on am a salsa I'm a salsa, chips and salsa fanatic, and I just never realized it, but I was probably eating, you know, a quarter of a bag of tortilla chips with salsa every day for lunch, and when I cut that out, so I cut out all bread, all tortillas, all sugars, and 20 pounds is just shut off me. I'm like 169, 170, and I mean, I haven't been this light probably since maybe early part of college um you better
1: get a whole new coup you wardrobe
0: holy smokes like i got the belt pulled as tight as it'll go and my pants my wife's like you look like a marathon runner or something i mean it's it's ridiculous but i feel good my joints feel good um i can't believe by just changing diet and cutting out sugars and and breads you got any blood work No, I'm scheduled uh, next month, next month, um, you know, and and the big thing going on this was, you know, there's people saying, oh, it's, you get high cholesterol, well, everything I read is these animal fats, Um, there's like LDLs, HDLs, that it's actually good cholesterol, if that makes sense, and that there's this whole notion out there that you know we need to eat vegetables and some of the guys i've been following are like that's a bunch of bull you eat animal based you know an animal based diet well all i can say is it's worked for me um my friend that i fish with um he got diagnosed with colon cancer and he's gone through chemo and he's got a full clean bill of health but You know, the doctor kind of told him, you know, it's a lot of it's due to eating processed foods. And so it made me kind of look at my diet and say, you know, what are you eating? Well, geez, I mean, when I go hunting, I eat a Pop-Tart or two a day. I eat granola bars, you know, sugar, sugar, sugar. And so anyway, I just decided, hey, I'm going to try and get healthy and, and eat. And man, it's, I mean, you... You can't even believe, you can because you're into it and all that, but I didn't realize how much diet played into, you know, this whole thing. Oh, yeah. But... It's,
1: yeah, especially the older you get.
0: You know, the, the, the cool thing about, for me, is the first week was horrible. Like, horrible. Like, I wanted to go just get a loaf of bread and eat like four slices, just wolf it down, and I craved sugar so bad. Now, eating so much protein, I'm never hungry. Like, I, I have to remind myself to eat lunch. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm not a, I I'm, was notorious for being a snacker, like snacking on every 30 minutes, an hour, just eating something. Now, I, I don't, I'm not even hungry. And, you know, I, so that part of it is really cool for me. So I I made it through coos deer season and, and sheep season. I was worried about like, what am I, you know, when I'm glassing, I usually eat a granola bar and that kind of stuff. And I just would cook a ribeye steak the night before and cut it in slices. And then I would just put it in a, in a container and just eat that. And once I got used to it, my body, um, I don't even want that other stuff.
1: That's good
0: so sorry to take up all the time let's talk let's talk arizona elk and antelope um got craig Steele here exclusive pursuit outfitters predator exclusives um rock steady um how are we looking mr craig for arizona elk Um, i've got to think you're pretty excited about this the outlook
1: yeah i'm excited i mean it's the first year in two years that we've actually had good precipitation to this point. Um, and actually, we've had really good precipitation. So that is that is good news. Um, I think 19 and 20 were the last two years that we had anything close to this. So it's a good start, especially for those guys that have a lot of points. Um, we'll see how it, how it finishes. But it's very saturated in much of the high country. Some of the eastern part of the state hasn't. Um, from the data hasn't gotten as much as some of the central and western part of the state but overall it it looks pretty good
0: so as a hunter when we start looking at how many points we have and what units we can draw and you know checking out gohunt.com and the insider and you know trying to calculate okay you know where is where am i at point structure and you start looking at all these units You know, obviously your bread and butter butter unit there is unit 10. Um, From a trend standpoint, I know that, you know, 10 was probably the best unit in the state for a long time. And then, you know, there was a period when they had high early rifle tags. I want to say they had 100 at one time, but maybe that's just my memory. But I want to say they had like 100 early rifle tags and then they started dropping those back down and, and they bumped the archery hunts way up and then they dropped them back down as far as just a baseline trend how do you see the herd of elk in unit 10 now you know historically are are we slightly st- starting our way trending back up are we on a couple year wave of it getting better or where are we i
1: mean i i think it's you know it depends on how far you go back you know um i could you know, recite that from my mind, but as far as the last 10 to, you know, 15 years, I mean, I think it's good. It's headed in the right direction as far as, you know, for me, it's, you, you can kill cows, you know, that's how you manage the herd is by killing cow elk. Um, there's, there's still a lot of cows, um, in, in all of that country, um, with that being said, I look at the age, you know, um, the age is the the number one thing. You know, Big Bull's got to be at least six to start even hitting, to really hit his stride. And really, he's not really even full stride until he's probably about eight, you know. So, overall, I, I think it's trending upward, especially since those, you know, the the years you were talking about and like the two thousand and I might get the years wrong, but like 2013, 14, 15, and maybe even 16, but for sure, 13, 14, 15, the years that they basically doubled the tags in there. um, And that really, really hurt the age class, Um, doubled all all the bull elk tags. So with that being said, I think it was like, Either 16 or 17, um, they pulled back and uh, the Game of Fish did and did a good job recognizing um, kind of what they were doing. And they they pulled back and slowly but surely from our end, um, we've seen the age class, you know, definitely go up. I wouldn't say I, I think it's probably plateaued now um, about, you know, where it needs to be. Um I I would prefer to kill ten plus year old bulls, every bull that we hunt and shoot and every you know, for every hunter that's out there, but that just doesn't happen depending on you know, the hunter, the year, the hunt. Um so with that being said, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, we obviously as you know, we have some private land that we lease in there, so we're able to kind of control a little bit more uh as far as what is what is taken that's while it's on the property and, and, you know, what we're kind of targeting and, and, you know, not really rush. So, you know, last year I was just looking at the numbers and the game and fish's numbers they're, they're trying to do a good job. I wish they would make it mandatory um, that everybody, I don't know how they would uh, pulls a tooth. Um, it's, it's voluntary now. Um, the only thing I don't like about it, they do publish that data on the Game of Fish website. And I don't like that they put the last names of the hunters on there just for privacy reasons. Um, but with that being said, they do publish their information. It's I think 2021 is a little bit incomplete, but 2020s is on there. And obviously, you don't have to do it. Um, but it last year's numbers, from what I... I was able to gather for the early rifle and for the early rifle, the average age of the bull killed. Now these are just the ones that were reported was six, 6.6 years old. Um, and for archery, it was 6.9 years old. Um, So, I mean, you know, considering you got DIY guys, maybe guys that don't hunt a lot, maybe, some hardcore guys in there maybe some guided hunters in there um that's a that's a pretty good age any of those age classes that are six and a half to seven you know i i'd rather it be eight i was gonna say imagine
0: if we could bump that up to eight eight and a half the difference that we would have but our
1: average what our bulls last year cumulative on the early hunts between early rifle and archery in there was 8.8 years old
0: yeah and then you just look at the size to you know the antler size and yeah, it's considerably and was, better
1: yeah i mean none of the bulls that we killed last year even on a you know i would say a, a marginal below slightly below average as a whole antler growth year all the bulls we killed were with our clients were 350 plus and you know that that was a good year i think the oldest bull we took you know according to the lab was 11 um and we send ours off ourselves so we can get them out quicker. And, you know, also for, you know, the privacy thing that is is kind of an issue for some hunters having their name, you know, put out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was good. I mean, and we've kind of averaged, I would say, I'd have to go back and pull all the numbers for us, but we've kind of averaged in that, you know, eight to nine years old range for those hunt the last last three years so um that's a that's a good thing actually i should i should go back and say that was 2021 data for the game of fish and that was our 2022 data because the game of fish doesn't have that 2022
0: data um,
1: published yet published yet
0: so yeah. so overall you think 10 is holding um you think it's over that period where they really saw a decline in age when they really upped the tags with that being said on a good moisture year like this with with two great monsoon seasons and then this winter moisture season there's there's probably going to be some really good bulls across that 9 10 you know even 18 some of that country up there would you not agree
1: yeah i i mean you know considering the last two years compared to this year and yeah and you threw it, it in there the Nell and have we've had two good monsoons so catch water is good um overall uh, 2019 2020 although they were great precipitation years from december to the end of march through april i guess Um, Which is that critical time period for precipitation for antler growth for elk? Um, They weren't, they were very bad monsoons overall, especially for, you know, 9, 10, 8, 18s, Um, those areas. Well,
0: they um, were bad early monsoons. Then all of a sudden, you know, late August, September, it came back with a vengeance, but too late to grow antlers, right?
1: Oh, yeah. In my opinion, my opinion, the monsoon always hits too late. Yeah, it always hits too late because those bulls are usually done. They need those bot. In my opinion, they need those that body fat and uh, to recuperate from the rut and the season. They need to be able to put on all that weight and the uh, you know, in the recovery time period from you know most of the time they're not really doing it in November, but when the feed starts to sprout from the end of January through April, and then, you know, as you know, May and June are typically super dry months, Um, they have the monsoon, it says it's the season starts June 15th, but that's just a a dummy thing, it doesn't actually start until we get three days of dew point at 55 degrees um, or higher. higher, right, And, uh, that usually takes place somewhere between the 4th of July and like July 15th. Um, so, you know, most of those bulls are 85 to a hundred percent done by that time.
0: So a year like this, where you actually have winter and spring moisture, you think, you think it will make a big difference. And I guess your hypothesis will be tested this year. And I, I agree with you. I think. You know, normally we're sitting here in February going, well, it's been kind of dry, and, you know, hopefully we have a decent monsoon. But the reality is this year it's looking really good. So if you and I speculate on this stuff enough and hypothesize about this stuff, it's probably going to sh- prove us right here that this year. If, if if we think that winter moisture is the most important thing, which I'm I'm confident it is, I think this year should shine across the state.
1: Yeah, I would I would honestly take you know, February, March, and the early April precipitation over, over December. You know, November, December precipitation, any day of the week. So right as it sits right now, I I do think, you know, talking with Lee too, um, I do think that, I don't think it's, there's any way possible that overall, we're speaking overall and guys always are out there like, well, what about this bull? And, you know, there's some bulls, these are genetically inferior and there's all sorts of, all sorts of factors that weigh into whether or not a bull is going to hit his, you know, maximum potential or close to it. But uh, I, I do think, even if it let's say we just from from today on until they're done growing we don't get another storm i think we're going to be in that that average area uh if that's the case and now if we can get just some average precipitation between today through april i think we're going to be in that above average range and if we get off the charge precipitation from now until then, I think it's going to be one of those banner
0: years. Yeah. You no. Know? Let's talk um, about season dates a little bit. Um, the full the new moon is September fifteenth. Um, how does that play in with the Unit Ten archery opener in in your opinion? And then I believe the full moon is the 29th. so that'll be kind of during the early rifle hunts. Um, what are your thoughts on archery season dates?
1: Man. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I honestly do not worry about the bin. I've, I've hunted too many years in a row and too many years in the archery hunts, and there's times on a slow rut, yes, um, especially hunting where we hunt in Unit 10 for the most part. Maybe if you're hunting public and you're competing with some pressured animals, I totally get that you want to and you only have X amount of time, you know, you want to self, set yourself up for failure, or I mean, for success, not failure. But uh, I mean, I've, I honestly, now the dates, the dates are a little bit later. So I think it's, you know, as far as they in the calendar, um, as far as the day of the year that they start on, but so that's good for the archery hunters, I, you know, but it could also be, you know, I, I would, it could also be one of those years too, where you, you want to be hunting September 5th. Right. Um, they
0: could go, go, go off early. Like they yeah, tend and to that do. Doesn't happen.
1: To... That doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. And then there's years when, you know, you want it to be later. So with that being said, I think it's a I think it's kind of a crapshoot as far as that goes. I really don't. I really just, from my standpoint, from from what we do, uh, I really just, the season's going to be what it is. If you're going to start analyzing, and this is just my opinion, new moon, the dates, and antler growth, you start factoring so many different things. I think a lot of people might get information overload.
0: <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? And then they're, then they're just...
0: Hey Wait. information Wait. overloads good for podcasters.
1: I know. I mean they just <laughs> like I just I just seen too many guys like
0: uh, you no know,
1: the, the, the whole points game, you know, especially you see these points changing and you know what they did in Arizona a few years back with the non resident point pool, what they're I hear they're talking about doing some stuff in Wyoming and and these points games are changing and it's it's almost becoming uh it's almost become i don't know how to say it but a a little bit foolish to to basically bank all these points over the years now beans how that regimes can change and and the point system can change on you you know and from when you start at it and um now with that being said i know there's guys out there i talked to some talk to them every year, guys that are close to max, and I get it. They're trying to make the best possible choice. Um, I would say, for me, for Arizona, elk is on a start year like this with precipitation. Um, I would apply, and then, you know, I, th- I don't know which week's going to be better. We all We've killed big bulls on the first week, and that's a question we get a lot, and on the second week, Typically speaking, you know, this, the second week is usually, they're usually going a little bit more. Mm. Um, That's typically how it goes, but, you know, sometimes the first week, though, sometimes that's not the best time to kill the biggest bull is when they're ripping and tearing and they're, you know, sometimes the best time is, you know, when you can catch a bull that's being a little lazy, maybe you get him off by himself, you're able to slip in there on him and get an arrow in him, so... Um, it's one of those catch 22s that we get asked a lot and I've tried to like answer Hunter's questions the most honest and best, but it's it's really it's really difficult because've I've, we've killed big bulls on on both weeks and sometimes I'll tell a hunter yeah, you go the first week because you know, You know, because a lot of guys will only have seven. Some guys may only have 10 days. Some guys do have 14 days. But for us, a lot of guys only have, you know, the the means to do seven. And a lot of guys that that we guide only have X amount of time. So, and inevitably, I've been in situations that's worked out. Guys have had a great hunt and killed that bull. And I've been in situations where, man, I wish you were here. You know, I wish we were hunting the second week or the first week with you. So, sure. um, if with that being said that the moon, the moon phase, I mean, it does cause changes. I think we've talked before on your podcast about, you know, um, how it can affect a slow rut, how it can, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, depending on how it goes, you, you may want to be, you know, especially if you're hunting thicker country, you know, you want, may want to be in their bedding areas from nine to, to noon. Um, obviously not right on top of them, but because maybe they, as soon as the sun went up, they went down, but, you know, they they, they might have a lot more energy than what they normally do, or they, they could be rutting all night. I I worry more about, anymore, I worry more about cow cycling, what's my weather, the, you know, the day before the day of and the day after in meaning the day before we start hunting the day we're hunting. And then the day after that's what I, you know, just make adjustments off that, um,
0: current, current weather conditions,
1: current, current weather is, I mean, last year, um, last year rained like four out of the first or five out of the first seven days. I mean, and it, it rained and I had a older gentleman and we were hoping we could sit him on water and he would have done, he'd have done, you know, probably a lot better in that condition. Um, And, but those were the conditions we got and, you know, it rained a couple inches that week and, you know, we had done it and it, it wasn't optimal, but, you know, I, and each day was, dang it. We had a couple of days of low clouds and fog, visibility was down. Um, You know, you you obviously couldn't use your glass as much as you would like to. Um, And with an older gentleman that was hunting, you know, I couldn't just run him to death, you know, um, in, in that scenario. So it was it was a challenging first week, you know, at that because in those conditions, you'd be able to to move you know a lot um in my opinion versus you know especially when the fogs bank down until noon you know and you can't just go chase bulls with some some older gentleman you sure. know you'll, you'll wear them out
0: sure let's shift gears a second um antelope you are i call you the antelope guru um what is the condition overall, the 30,000-foot view of Arizona antelope, in your opinion?
1: Okay, so I try not this to look. This is a family
0: show now. Come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I try not to look. Um, the tag numbers, there's 551 total tags. Now, that's not counting the the, the auction tags and the raffle tag, but 551 statewide tags there's 323 rifle 50 muzzleloader and 178 archery we are we are getting down and approaching draw odds especially for non-residents i talked to a guy the other day that had 29 points and he's like i'll be done once i draw and i don't blame him because you're you're ludicrous for for applying for Arizona antelope, just to apply to try to get a tag as a non-resident. Now, if you're if you're applying for other species, it makes sense. So, you know, not there still is some good antelope. Um, I just think overall, the just it, I don't want to say, it, but it, and I'm sure there'll be some good bucks killed and some big bucks killed. But I think the glory days are behind us, um, and I don't think they're ever coming back. Um and that's just my personal gut feeling, personal opinion. Um the the tag numbers have gone from in thousands to you know now five hundred and fifty one. We still have genetics. The problem is is encroachment is bad. Um those rural developments, you know, drought, predators. The, the 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 highways that we have cross you know over their corridors and they're they're pretty finicky um uh and not to mention you know besides the the traditional predators that we think of coyotes bobcats lions stuff like that that you're talking about you know golden eagles you know stuff like that that doesn't get that doesn't get mentioned and has an impact with that being said they're they're You know, there's going to be some, there's going to be some big bucks taken. Um, last year, my dad drew, he's a resident. He drew with like 15 points. He drew unit nine. Uh, I have no idea why he applied for it because that unit's kind of gone downhill, but it, it does have some great genetics and he killed, I don't, he killed one of the biggest bucks in the state. I'm sure on the draw hunt, we were very fortunate, um, and, but we didn't see, didn't see that many pronghorn, um, not that many at all. Um, and we got very fortunate that we found that buck and, and got him killed. And there's still, I still think there's probably some good ones in that unit. The pressure was low, but as far as like an overall view, I don't think it's good as far as units, um, I think it's, you know, 5Bs probably at the top of the list. Um, 18A, 19B, 4B. Um, 18A and 19B, I, if you guys, if you're a non resident with high points, make sure you apply for the muzzleloader hunt. It goes before the rifle hunt. And. and the reason being is with today's, you know, you can usually get 150 to 300 yards from pronghorn. Um, it might take a little bit of work, but you're the, the top's going to be skimmed on those two hunts. And both those hunts, too, there is access issues, issues. Um, and so you will have to, um, it'll be tough on your own. Um, you'll you'll have to, you know, do your homework. Um, I think Unit 10 is a good opportunity unit. They cut the tags again. I, I think they should be even lower. Um, I still think there's a few bucks. I would like to see it down at 50 tags. I think 50 tags. And uh, I might actually start applying for that unit. Um, and then some other units going along with, my dad's hunt is i i think unit 9, unit 7 and 3A those three units all start around the 1st of October so they're they're after all all the other hunts as far as the, all the other general hunts going on through the state and i think from a from a and i may be totally off but i think i think overall you might be getting a less quality hunter that you're competing against so if you're whether you're a non-resident diy guy or resident or you're a guy that's looking to go on a guided hunt um yeah i think you're gonna go from my experience i've hunted unit seven as well i've guided a hunt on that um in the last three years four years um it just seems like there's a little bit Guys don't take that hunt as serious as they take five B, eighteen A, nineteen B, ten. Um, those three hunts, I think they could be they could be uh, a hunt that still could produce a good buck. You're not going to see probably a ton of antelope, and you're probably not going to see very many good bucks. But they're you're the people that you're quote unquote competing against the hunters as a whole that maybe draw that hunt that are applying for those hunts. Um, I just, I don't, I don't think the majority of them are as good as hunters and take it as serious. So I, I think those can be, you know, I don't want to say hidden gems, but they can be an opportunity for a guy that's willing to put his time in our hires. The right guy can, can still kill a good quality buck and have a, have a decent experience.
0: What about eight muzzleloader?
1: Man, they pumped some tags in eight. Um, To be honest with you, I didn't even look at it this year um, because I know it was either last year or the year before. I think they had two split hunts in there. And and don't get me wrong. I say all this. The biggest buck could come from one of the other units that the buck just survived and did... You know, he has the right genetics and he could come from Unit you know, One or he could come from Unit Eight or he could come from uh, last year. I hunted 18B. I would tell you if you're a guy, don't apply for that unit. Uh, just the quality is and numbers are way down. Um, but it could come, he could come from, you know, the biggest bucket come from one of these, you know. Random. lesser known units yeah. that you know that he just he has everything right and he survived and maybe the quality of hunters in there the year before wasn't very good and, and uh boom pops out that you know high 80s 90 inch buck um so it, it always it always seems to happen um but it's getting i guess less and less common i i don't think unit eight is a, wouldn't say it's a bad choice but for me personally it wouldn't be it wouldn't be at the top of my list
0: understood um i want to ask you about rock steady how's it going
1: it is a it's a grind so um we shut down production of our bipods in late august um we've been doing back orders to that point we got all of our back orders caught up in October. And what we had was essentially we were still building custom bipods because we couldn't get the tolerance and specs rights on our carbon tubes on the outside, ODs um, for our leg latches. So we were just we were eating it, um, just spending way too much time on, on one bipod. And so, we took a step back, paused sales, shut off any back ordering, said, okay, can we make the product better, and can we make production faster? And then, my partner went back to work doing what he does, and he's like, I think it was the end of September, beginning of October, he's like, I got it. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, I got it. And... We scratched everything from, from our former leg latches and locks. Um, and what a lot of people don't see is the R&D that goes into that. I mean, we've probably tried 100 different leg latches and locking systems on the outside diameters of carbon tubes and at least 15 different carbon fiber tube manufacturers. Um a lot a lot of time a lot of work but anyway we redesigned our lower legs and then we had to test them and i've been testing them and then and i'm still testing them that's one thing i didn't realize a little naive you're always continually testing your product and trying to improve upon it make it better Obviously, for us, it's been a production issue. Um, how, how can we make these faster with the resources that we have um, without compromising, you know, quality? And we went with an internal, Josh, my partner, designed an internal locking mechanism. And uh, it's similar to, it's, it's not a twist lock like you like to run on your carbon fiber tripods say because those have have a plastic piece and then they're threaded on the end Um, it's it's more similar to a design of an internal lock on a on some trekking poles that are out there the biggest difference for us compared to a lot of those is all of our internal parts are stainless and aluminum so they're all metal so once we got the design down tested it then come the search of how do we get somebody to make these because we're already making so many parts in-house and you know kind of maxed out on that when I say in-house my partner has his own machine shop and we're kind of maxed out on that already how do we make these faster and so we searched and searched um, and ultimately right now the way it sits is we've got the design down. I've been running, uh, the bipods, the new design, lower leg bipods, or since mid October until now. And right now we're waiting for a few of the, well, we're waiting for the test parts from a manufacturer in Asia. Um, to send us the internal, our internal locking test parts. And then once those are signed off, we'll go in production on those and we'll be ready to roll. So with that being said, it's a long, longer process. Um, You got, you, you know this, but like probably, I think it's like 80, now, yeah, 82% of our bipod is built, all U.S. components, all manufactured here, and then the carbon fiber, and now the if these test parts come back, the internal leg lock locking mechanism internally will be built in Asia. So about 18% of it's built in Asia, and the other 82%, uh, if, if my redneck mouth is right, is built in the US and the majority, all the upper parts are all machined in my partner's shop. Um, so once we get those parts back, we'll be ready to roll and we'll be doing a small run of inventory. We're not doing any more back orders because one thing goes wrong and then that turns into two weeks, that turns into three weeks, and you're answering more emails and phone calls about where my stuff is. Um, so we'll do a small run of inventory. inventory. will we're going to sell out quickly. And then once we get the small run of inventory and the bipods built machines are already be running to build the next batch of inventory and we can scale up from there, um, you know, kind of controlling the growth from there. It was kind of a blessing in disguise as far as shutting down production. Um, because there's a few factors you don't weigh in and we haven't had a, had a very, very limited number of people had issues with their bipod. Like I'm talking like 2% of the customers, but then you got to go back in and do repairs um, and fix the bipods um, that come back. And that's something from the consumer side or the customer side. You don't see, you know what I mean? You don't, you don't, you don't think about that side, but from the business side, uh, you all know, oh man. And these ones that we're building building now, the new design, they are, they're not only production wise, way better to build way faster, especially if these test parts come back um, to spec and work exactly how we want them, but uh, they're just way more durable and way better. So,
0: has Craig Steele had to has Craig Steele had to learn a a lesson in patience?
1: Uh, my wife says I'm the most patient, patient person in the world.
0: Um, Was that a learned trait, or did you just have to it, be patient?
1: And with that being said, i i i i do control my patience. <laughs> I do control my patience. Uh, I'm very good at hiding my. My rants and outbursts, um, which is kind of why I'm not on social media, and not because of the business side. But I'm very good at usually hiding that and downplaying it. But internally, there's always a there's always a struggle internal. <laughs> so uh, I I mean I'm I'm glad she thinks I'm patient.
0: Um, well, you're but, uh, you're a marketing guy too, from a standpoint of wanting to launch your business and have everything go correct. It sounds like you had to basically. Put everything on on whoa instead of go and but but you're but you want to make the best product out there. So knowing you personally and knowing how you are, there I know there was part of you that wanted to go go go, and then there's part of you that said whoa 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 because I want it to be the best.
1: Well, and the reason why I know that too, because I mean we're we're a, a bootstrap. You know, we 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 didn't take on. You know and investors we don't have and we nor nor did we really want to um so we didn't take on a lot lot of capital our you know or take on any capital from anybody else other than our own you know sweat equity and capital and we're growing it you know basically from from nothing um and so with that being said you know you you either do it one of two ways. You go get a bunch of capital from you know investors, dump in it, and then yeah, you're you're a little bit more streamlined. But then somebody owns part of your business, or you know, and
0: yeah, and your answer you have to answer to them right you now. Going to, where's my return?
1: Right now, it's we're only answering to our customers and us, which is way, way more, uh, way more peaceful on one side, but then on the other side, it is frustrating, you know? Yeah. Because I, I mean, you know, you want to capture more market and you want, you want to see more pictures and, and get more feedback and great reviews and, and you want to blow and go. Um, but it, but you also have to make sure that you're taking care of your, past customers with their bipods and you also have to make sure you can build the product um that's without scalable losing money right um and when when one bipod you know the reason why i said those were custom bipods when when we were having like 90 percent waste on our carbon fiber was not usable and it was just because we we hadn't we had to learn we had to learn the hard way um that, uh, essentially, you know, and, and people will be like, well, why there is, there is scenarios where you can sand down the tubes. Um, especially ours are not like a tripod, a tripod the outside diameter is, is much larger. Um, especially on, you know, it, they're, they're much larger. Um, ours are, you know, on a bipod, they're, they're, they're really small outside diameter. So you're, Anytime you get smaller and smaller, the less margin for error you have. And there is scenarios where you can get them sanded down, but then that adds in cost, right. you know, and, and there is, there is, you know, there is market issues, you know, like when I start out with this, I was thinking, you know, we were going to build a, a bipod that, you know, if we could hit a market in that 250 to $300 range, but then I wanted to build the best bipod. You know, for hunting that we could possibly build, and you know, our bipods, you know, aren't uh, aren't two hundred fifty and three hundred bucks. You know, and and they're not the most expensive bipod on the market, but they they are for hunting. You know, marketed towards hunters. And with that being said, it also comes to expectation. The expectation for me is if if we're going to build build that, it's, it's got to live up to that. And, uh, you know, and I, I truly, truly believe we have. And I, I mean, for those that have followed along and, and, you know, on our rock study stuff, I mean, we've showed, showed a lot and that's like maybe like 5% of what we do, uh, just because it's, it's two guys hammering away right now. And sometimes it can get a little overwhelming when you're, uh you know one side of it's the engineer machining uh product development and the other side of it's marketing sales customer service assembly you know all that stuff but it that's just part of it and it's what comes with it especially when you bootstrap and uh yeah so that's where we're at right now and I mean I know for certain just based on the emails and the text and the phone calls that i get that the this first small run of inventory we're going to blow through it like within a day or two um and then from there we'll we'll just we're going to keep scaling up um and you know one thing that we are doing is we're all of our email subscribers will get first notification of when we have inventory um, and the reason being for that is because there is a value proposition for them to put their email and I for them to follow along with the journey and want it versus a like on Facebook Instagram or YouTube and we seem to get a little bit deeper, connection with our email subscribers than we do from, you know, we're still using those tools, because we'd be foolish not to. And those are great marketing platforms. But until we can hit a scale that we can, you know, we need to go further, our email list subscribers, um, which you can go to our website and sign up um, are the people that are going to get notifications when we have inventory first.
0: Are you confident it's going to be the best bipod hunting bipod on the market?
1: Oh, I already know it is. Yeah, I mean, if you factor in the, uh, uh, you know, weight, durability, design, function, um, application, and you know the 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 line we are coming out with it uh, another model, which I'm not going to give the description of the model. It's the, all of our bipods are the same. From basically the we call them uppers and lowers. Our uppers are all the same, so the the legs essentially are 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 the different, different they different differentiate the sizes of or the style or model of bipod. Sure. Uh, so, um, and and that that comes from. We started essentially with the P two forty two and the reason why we be, built the P two forty two prone to forty two inches because I was flat ass frustrated with what the market had out there. Um and I'm not a shooting stick guy because I do a lot of big game mining too. And I don't like to pack extra gear. Uh these we do have quick releases on our bipod but that p242 for me i'm six foot four and you know if you're sitting on any kind of angled slope i'm talking like just just angled a little bit the standard industry standard 27 inch bipod was was you know anywhere from three to eight inches too short um and it was is very frustrating um very very frustrating um, to to have that scenario and that's kind of what was out in the market I, and I I would say too that. There's there's a lot of guys out there that, are, that aren't even my height That are in that six-foot range or five foot eight five foot nine that you know, we frustrated with the 27 inch bipod um, Now don't get me wrong. I, I I used a 27 inch bipod but found myself having to stack rocks underneath the legs or, you know, when I'm, when I'm in the seated position, um, and then like the old Harris, you know, I mean, it would be too high for a lot of prone positions, too low for a lot of seated positions or most of the seated positions. So it's very frustrating, um, with, with that regard. And, but I know we've, I know what we've built and I know, I mean, as you can tell by how much I rant and rave and talk about it, i we put too much work in it and I know what I am at my core as far as a hunter. And, uh, I know what a lot of guys have been looking for and it's, it's not for everyone. I mean, not everybody, you know, out there, you know, values a bipod enough to spend $500 or, or hunts enough, you know, but for those, you know, guys that are the more serious ones that they get it and want a quality product that's light, durable, has has the function capabilities and i mean a lot of stuff we talk about too we have a or or one of the things we talk about that a lot of like big companies like i'm talking big companies have is they always come out with that limited lifetime limited warranty and most of that you read in the frying print like yeah it's got to be perfect like you can't even almost use it to to get it fixed or whatever and for us it's just a straight five-year repair replace warranties like that's just small business like straight up hey you have issues with your bipod and thank goodness even on the other ones we haven't had um very many uh, people send their bipods in to be repaired um and the ones we did have were most of the ones we did have were from the very first few batches that we made and we we knew what the issue was we just we didn't know what which customer had that bipod and turn around and get it fixed and get it back out to them. But yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it takes up a lot of my mental time. Um, a lot of my mental time. So,
0: well, buddy, um, it's been fun listening to the journey and can't wait to see the next, uh, the next installment. And I appreciate you chatting with us about elk and antelope. And, um, yeah, it's always great having you on the podcast.
1: Yeah, man, I would just tell those guys that are out there that are just looking for one little piece of information on, you know, obviously pronghorns, pronghorn, um, and you know, there's only X amount of tags, and it's you know extremely hard as a non-resident to draw those. Um, but I would tell those guys that have those upper end on the points, and they've been they've been you know whether it be for archery or the early rifle, or early muzzleloader, and unit nine. If they're this is the best case scenario that you can get with the the. The way the draw happens in Arizona. So if you've been the last two years sitting on the sidelines, um, I would tell you to put your best first choice and second choice if you want it, and make sure you get your application in because you know it could be it could be next year we could have another good year like this, or it could be five years. Um, but it's based on the the draw deadline. Um and when the draw happens, this is the best case scenario at this point. And I just read on the National Weather Service office for Flagstaff um that they're thinking that we're gonna get some more weather around Super Bowl weekend. But I don't know how much and they could change their mind between now and then.
0: Sure. What's the best way for people to reach out to you?
1: Um the best way for Right now, I'm doing a little social media fasting for my personal stuff. So, if you message me on there, you won't see it. Um, the best way is my phone number, 928-315-5889. And the best way is either text me, and then I'll get back with you. Um, you can call me. I may be on a hunt. I may be working in Rock City, so I may not answer, or I may be, uh, you know, some family function but i'll get back with you and then the other ways you can follow exclusive pursuit outfitters um on instagram you can just search it and on facebook and on youtube we have a website i do still do predator hunts um i don't do as many now i'm just doing them on the weekends because i'm working during the week on rocksteady Um, And then I do have some guides that do some of the hunts, but you can follow the predator hunts at predator exclusives um, on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and then Rocksteady is uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as well. And you can go to our website, rocksteadyhuntinggear.com. R-O-K. Yep. R-O-K-S-T-E-D-I.
0: Right on, buddy. Um, Great to hear your voice. Uh, Glad you were able to share with us, and uh, God bless. Take care, okay? All right, you too, Jay. All right, buddy. Bye.